0: Tonight at Ground Zero meetings, we're going to continue going through our Bible series, and tonight's lesson is on the book of Habakkuk, or Habukuk, however you would want to pronounce it. Uh, he was a a prophet that lived in the final decades of Israel. You know, he they were it was the Southern Kingdom because Judah and Israel split after Rehoboam and you know his evil ways. Judah didn't want anything to do with it, so they Broke apart, and Assyria came in prior and destroyed Judah, and even came down and ransacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. But Israel was still kind of hanging in there. They exiled a lot of people into Babylon or into Assyria, and then later on, Babylon rose up and destroyed Assyria, so there's this new you know king of the mountain. You kid on the block who is you know ready to destroy you know things that that God had created, however, you know he had seen this rising of this nation, this rising of this army on the horizon, and he knew that it was not good news; he knew that they were going to to sweep through and destroy what was left of israel um, however. He was like any other prop, he was different than any other prophet. Most of the prophets of the, of the Old Testament would go into a village or be in a city and they would rebuke, you know, the leaders and the people and the, and the priests and the prophets and they would declare, you know, judgment and they would bring a message of hope and restoration where he doesn't necessarily do it that way. You know, he doesn't accuse Israel. He doesn't even really speak negatively towards the people on God's behalf. Rather, his words are addressed to God himself. In this book, you know, he is trying to talk to God about what's really going on because he doesn't understand, but he is bringing this message of what is about to happen. You know, so rather than his words addressing the people or the corruption in the, in the temple or corruption in the government, He's talking to God about what's going on. You know, he had his own personal struggle through his journey of believing that God is good. You know, amongst such evil tragedies in this world, his poems are like poems of lament. You know, we heard of Lamentations. We talked about that book that Solomon most likely wrote and he was lamenting over what was happening. There's some Psalms that have lament to it, which is weeping or sorrowful. You know, that they're, you know, upset about what's going on. They don't understand what's going on. So they're grieved and they're crying out to God. You know, so these, these poems are very similar to other writing styles that we see in the Old Testament. You know, he gives his complaint to God, drawing attention to the suffering and the injustice and demanding that God do something. You know, he's asking God to move. He's asking God to change the situation. He's asking God to restore and to bring hope because he doesn't understand how there's this good and holy God and yet all this evil and impending doom that's coming down upon them. You know, so once again, he has this argument with God, which God finally gives a response, you know, to his complaint. You know, Habakkuk, you know, is complaining about that no one is, is reading the Torah anymore. You know, that there is such neglect, there is such violence, there is such injustice, and why is this being tolerated? You know, and why is this evil nation that's worse than us coming to get us? He did not understand why, you know, the corruption in, in Israel was still going on and he didn't understand why, God was going to allow Babylon which was an evil nation that worshipped idols to overthrow God's kids. You know, and <clears throat> he basically cries out to God and say how long you know must I cry out? You know, why are you not listening? How many times in our life are we in a a, a spot, you know, in this place, in this in this difficult time, in this tribulation, in this overwhelming circumstances and we're we're talking to God. We're we're praying. We're crying. We're we're lamenting. We're before Him. We actually maybe got on our knees to pray. You know, like it's serious. You know, and we're praying and we're praying and we're praying and we're praying and we're praying. And, we're praying. and it doesn't seem like God's doing anything. It doesn't seem like God's listening. It doesn't seem like anything is is moving on any level. You know and we We cry out to God, why aren't you listening to me? Why is this happening? Why can't you take care of this? You know, and many of you have heard my story about being so angry that I bent my steering wheel. You know, and my little thing that I used to to accuse God of is you could wave your little pinky at this and make it change. Why can't you do it? Like I know that God can, but why won't he? You know and I remember in my frustration, you know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and is like, Tom, you can't manipulate me. You know, and I'm gonna speak for us, even though I can only really speak for myself, but we're master manipulators, are we not? Any of us in here have some control issues? Any of us like it our way and no other way and demand that we get our way? And when it doesn't happen our way, we throw fits. And we try these same tactics with God, and we get nothing. So we decide that we are going to take our will into our own hands, because God is not obeying us in Jesus' name. Right? Am I the only crazy person that tries to get his own will and stamp some Jesus on it? and we'll find a couple Bible verses out of context to agree with what we're trying to do. God is present in everything. He's always here. He's always paying attention. He always hears. He always sees. And we have to understand that His sovereignty is above our understanding. And it's so difficult because our little tiny universes... Our little tiny, little tiny lives, we think we know what's best. You know, and we have a hard time releasing control. We have a hard time trusting. A lot of us have some really deep wounds in the trust category. You know, we've been wounded by people that say that they love us, and yet we hear that God loves us, and then all this pain's happening, so we're just like, yeah, that's just the way this goes. Like, love is pain. But God's working things out in us and around us. And a lot of times we're helping, which brings a little bit more pain than we need. You know, so God is is in this. And God answers him, as God has answered us and many a times. But usually in those moments, what we hear, what the Holy Spirit is telling us, is not what we want to hear, is it? Like, we'll do this or don't do that or stay away from this and start doing this or get involved or go talk to this person or confess or pray or resist, you know, or lay it down or trust me. That's not the one, you know, we, and we keep banging on the door, don't we? Like, let me in, you know, because we know what's best for our lives. And the more that we begin to control our temper, and give that stuff to the Lord and learn to be patient and trust His timing, the more peace that we seem to be able to walk in. You know, that He's very aware of what we're going through. But here's God's answer to to Him. He says, I am very aware of the corruption in His people and He is summoning this army of Babylon to bring justice upon Israel. You know... Many of us have had similar circumstances. You no, know, are we having Babylon come in and destroy our lives? No. But some of us have had the police come in and and uproot our lives. And how dare they, bringing judgment upon me and my fun? But I know for me, if it wasn't for the cops, wasn't for me going to jail, wasn't for me getting sick and tired of being sick and tired. That I came to the realization that this isn't the way that I want to continue to live. You know, and there's times that God comes in and He brings correction and it's uncomfortable and it can be painful. You know, and He's working on our heart and our situations and what we're doing and the sin that we're allowing. Just like He's working in this situation to break off this idol worship you know, in this crazy way that they continue to do the same thing year after year, hundreds of years, hundreds of years. They keep going up and down, up and down, up and down. They worship God for a minute, they go back to idols. They worship God for a minute and they worship idols. They worship God for a minute and they worship idols. You know, and it's not until we get sick and tired of what we continue to worship that we finally say enough's enough. You know, we have to drink our last one. We have to to smoke our last one. We sniff our last one. We have to go to that website one more time until enough is enough. And we're so sick and tired of being in this place that we finally say, all right, God, I'm ready to do it your way. You know, and we're pretty stubborn. <laughs> you know, we're pretty stubborn and we keep pushing, keep pushing. You know, it, it talks about the ox that kicks against the goat because of our stubbornness. You know, And the goat is a representation of the Word of God. And the ox is a representation of us. And we kick against the Word of God trying to get our will accomplished. I want it my way. I want it my way. And it's painful and it's painful and it's painful, but we keep pushing. We keep pushing. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I don't want to submit. I don't want to. I don't want to do it. And God's like, okay. Okay. You know, and... We all have our stories of how we got to this place of moldable clay. We were hardened clay, and God's trying to work with us, and it's hurting us. And eventually, through enough water, the Holy Spirit, through enough of the Word, that we begin to become more pliable, and God can move us more easily. And when He says no, we don't throw a temper tantrum and run around in circles for a month. You know, it can be a week. (laughs) It could be a couple days could be a couple hours that we become more moldable when we're sick and tired of doing it our way and we realize there's pain every time, pain every time, pain every time. And see, God's trying to work this out in Israel because they refuse to listen and submit and worship only Him. So He's using Babylon to bring justice to the unjust. You know, and... Habakkukah can't understand this. He's having a hard time wrapping his mind around God's methods. Don't we? Don't we have a hard time? Like, this is real easy, God. If you just do exactly what I say, this will work out exactly how I want it. It will be perfect. Just do what I pray. How many times are we come to the conclusion that we're really grateful that we didn't get what we prayed for? I know that there are some prayers in my life that I am so grateful that He didn't give me what I prayed for. And in that moment, that's the only thing I could see. In that moment, I had my eyes fixed on what I wanted and I knew that God wanted to give me what I wanted. (laughs) He has a problem with God's answer though. How many times do we do that? You know, So he gives God a second complaint. Because Babylon is worse than Israel. So how is this supposed to work? You know, they're more corrupt. They're more violent. They have made their army and they've deified it. And what that means is they believe that God has sent this army, that God is upon this army, that God has blessed this army. So how is God blessing people that worship idols and commit crazy injustices against people doing God's work. You know, he can't understand why they're treating people the way they are. They're treating humans like animals. They're putting them into slavery. They're chaining them up. And yet God's allowing this to take place. He's allowing this nation that devours other nations and other groups to grow and to build themselves into this great empire. And God answers his question. Because what Habakkuk is really trying to get at and trying to wrap his mind around, and this is really some of the difficult things that we see in this culture and in this world, is if God is good, then how come there's evil? You know, And as Christians, we should be ready to defend that type of a question. You know, and it, we shouldn't just throw Christian bumper sticker answers at people. That we should share parts of our testimony where it looked bad, but God bring restitution, or you know, He restored us. You know, and we have to be ready to have this type of answer because the world just wants what we believe to be true, but so often we don't represent Jesus very well. That we cast judgment and we throw Bibles at people and we tell them they're sinners. We throw them into hell. And the Bible that I read specifically tells us not to do that type of stuff. That we're not to judge the world. So we'd waste all day. However, we are to bring correction to our brothers and sisters. That they will know us by our love, not our judgment that our Bible's not a club. It's a mirror for us to see that we don't look like Jesus. How can we expect them to look like Jesus? They don't even believe. So we try to use the Word of God as an authority in an unbeliever's life where they don't respect the book. They don't care what it says. And yet we're trying to, well, the Bible says. They absolutely don't care that our book says nothing. Whatever it says. And yet we're trying to get them to obey words that we don't technically obey. But you should obey it because you make me feel like you're getting away with fun. And it's so important that we realize that God has a purpose for everything that we're going through. And we, most times, will not see it in the moment. That we have all this heaviness. We have all this confusion. We have all this pain. And it feels like we're going to die on the inside. And I know for my thoughts, run. Peace. I'm out. Create a big explosion. Get really angry. And accuse people of stuff. And when they back up for one second and think about what I said, I'm nowhere to be found. We all have our tactics. We all create these types of environments. We create a fight so I can go do what I want to go do. Over and over again, we think, we repeat the same dysfunctional coping mechanism. And God uses circumstances and painful situations to break us free because we realize that if I go do what I used to go do, I'm going to get what I used to get. And since I don't want that, I guess I have to sit still here and trust Jesus. And it's not always easy. Because how come God allows us to go through such difficult circumstances? How can you, a holy and good God, allow such pain? You know, and his accusation against God is how can you use these corrupt, this corrupt nation as your instrument? And he demands an explanation from God. You know, how many times have we been in that situation and we are, we have God on judgment? Because we want answers. We want to understand. I want my whys. Every single one of my whys, I want answers to them so I can trust you. And that isn't always the case. That we have to learn to trust Him in spite of what's going on. And a long time ago now, I I would have to say it's probably 10 years. And this is the, you know, I'm being transparent as I can be. That I don't remember a lot of sermons that I hear. How about you? I mean, in all reality, there's only bits and pieces of sermons that really hit home through our salvation, through our week in and week out, going to church. The Holy Spirit plants these seeds in us every now and again. You know, you should test each other. We should test each other. Couple hours after church on Sunday, be like, hey, what was the message about? And we're like, uh, um, uh, uh, Jesus? <laughs> we get so distracted. But every once in a while, God drops one of these little nuggets, these little golden nuggets of truth that we'll remember forever. We all have one. We all have a couple. And one of mine is that we don't always understand God's hands. But if we know God's heart, and we know that God loves us, we know that God is for us, and we know that God is with us, that just because we don't get what His hands are doing, we can know His heart is for us. And it helps us to walk through difficult times because we know that God loves us. And somehow He's working these things together for good for those that love Him back. And when we run from circumstances, we don't see what He's doing. How many times have we run and we end up right back where <laughs> we left? You know, we, we left the trail. I'm doing it my way. I found a shortcut. Here I go. And after some pain and some craziness and finally some repentance and we let somebody actually come and get us and we finally find ourselves stepping back on the path, we're facing the exact same thing we ran from. So we delayed our process, we caused ourselves more pain, we probably got some new baggage, and we still have to face the very thing that we took off from the last time anyway. You know, It's stuff like that that's helped me to say, sit still, don't run. Duck your head, get quiet, pray, put some worship on. You know, and for me, I use the analogy of hypothermia. Because the way God has created our body, when it gets extreme temperatures, extreme cold, the blood will vacate our fingers, even our arms, to keep our core warm. And we might lose some toes or some fingers, maybe even a hand, but we don't lose our life. And when we feel that the enemy is surrounding us and chaos is going around us and confusion, we can't seem to hear God on any level, we need to duck our head and get one with the Lord. And we need to pull ourselves back a little bit from all of our different types of relationships because we got some people that are going to speak horrible advice into our lives. And we don't need any of that right now. And we got people that'll be super religious, will just have faith, be like, nope, don't need any of your nonsense right now either. (laughs) Praise the Lord, like shut up or I'm going to punch you. Like you don't understand, like I'm about ready to kill people or run away. And we got to shrink in and we have, should have a core group of people, two or three. Jesus had three people that knew what he was doing all the time. Who's your three people? So when you're going through it, you shrink down into the bare minimum. Doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus. Doesn't mean you don't go to church. It doesn't mean you go do what you have to do, but those are the only people that know what's going on with you because you don't need everybody's advice. It'll make it harder. And I've learned that, that when I feel like the enemy is doing some crazy stuff around me, Tom gets real quiet. Tom shrinks in. Me and Jesus and a few people. And I let them know where my emotions are and they're probably way up here. And everyone's like, Tom, you alright? I'm good. Tom, you alright? Yep. You look angry. Nope, I'm good. And I might be furious. But it's none of your business. Because if I let that fire out to you, now you're on fire. And then all of a sudden, I got your bad advice and now we're both upset at this situation and we still don't know what the real truth is yet. Because we don't know where God's hand is in it. But I have to find His heart, and how I find His heart is in His Word. How I find His heart is putting worship behind it, and praising Him in spite of my circumstances. And saying, I'm here to love you back. I don't know how to do this, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna worship, I'm gonna sing these songs, I'm gonna go for a walk, and tears are gonna be rolling down my face, and I'm not gonna come home until I have some sort of peace. That means I might be walking, listening to worship music, and praying for a minute. Because peace doesn't look like it's coming anytime soon. But if I let that fester in me and reach out to all these people for their advice, now i got this whirlwind around me. And everyone's trying to tell me what to do, what to do, what to do, what to do. And I'm like, it just goes out of more control. And it's so important that we know God. Because if we know His Word and we know God, When things get crazy, and they will, we know where to turn. And we know who to trust. And trust isn't easy for us. A lot of us have been wounded by our parents and by siblings, by coaches and by teammates and by authorities and by the police and by the church. And we have to come in and find Jesus in the midst of our struggle. It's so important that we learn that it. no matter what's going on around us, we got to figure out what Jesus and the truth is. Because the enemy comes with emotion and he comes with lies and he comes with accusations and he tells us to run and we project the future and we know exactly what's going to happen. We know everything all of a sudden. Or am I the only one that instantly knows how everything's going to happen? And normally it never happens that way. So it's so important that we know that God is good. He is a holy God. He is a loving God. He's proven it to every single one of us in this room at least once. More like a hundred times or more. And yet our fear and our brokenness and the lies that we've been told through our life start screaming. There's a line in a song by Jason Upton And this is another one of those little golden nuggets. Is that why does God whisper? Why is He in the whisper? Why is it a still small voice? It's because He's really close. And if we're too distracted and we're too noisy and we got too many people, we can't hear that whisper. And it's so important that we know how to get away, turn everything off, turn our phone off, turn Netflix off, turn the world off for just a minute. And it's not isolation if we're trying to hang out with a very important person. And that's Jesus. And we ha- all of us have to learn how to do that. We all have to learn how to get ourselves in His presence. And it's not something we can manipulate. It's not something we can control. It's something that we surrender to. And say, God, I need you over everything else right now. I don't know what to do. I need you. I need you. I need you. I don't know what to do. I need you. I'm so scared. I'm so broken. I hate this. Speaking from the heart. Be like, I'm so angry. I'm so this. I'm so that. And just letting Jesus into that. And saying, God, show me what to do. Speak to me. And we'll begin to see how he directs our steps through the most crazy storms. And we'll pop out the other side and we're like, how did that happen? How did you, how? It's not possible. Cause it isn't possible in our strength. It isn't possible in our wisdom. It isn't possible in our will, but everything is possible in His. And we have to learn to trust Him when everything around us seems like it's crazy. Everything's going to fall apart. Everything's going to, and we get real extreme with our statement that we need to know that He is a holy God in spite of what happens in this country, what happens in the state, what laws they pass, what happens in our families, what's going on with your kids, what's going on with your parents, what's going on with their siblings, what's going on in court, what's going on at work. God's still good. We may not understand it, and we need to come to Him with our complaint or What is going on? We need answers. And we get before him and we say, God, speak to us. Because He, Habakkuk depicts himself as a watchman on the wall. He's looking. He's looking for God. And he's waiting. He's waiting for God to tell him. And God speaks which he eventually always does. But if we're not tuned in, we, we mistake it sometimes. Because it's usually not what we want to hear, is it? Like, stop doing that. No, I really, really want to do that. That's a good idea. I came up with that one on my own. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's it's horrible. Stop right now. It's going to be bad. I promise. There's always, like, work involved. Jesus always wants us to do something. So he tells him, Go get some chisels and a stone tablet. How many times has God put us to work and we're like, Nah, I don't think I'm about that work stuff. <laughs> I don't want to read my Bible today. I don't, I don't think I'm going to pray. I don't, I don't think I'm going to serve them. I don't. I don't think that's on the agenda. I think like um, Chinese food and Netflix sounds like a really good idea right now. Yeah, I'm just I'm just, just gonna relax. I just need. need some relaxed time. I I know myself very well, and I know I need to just relax. God's saying, go. There's people that need to hear about me. Go. He's always putting us to work on some level or another, that we're to serve as he was a servant. Now, because we're black and white, we can become very extreme in this. And all of a sudden, I'm running a million miles an hour for Jesus. And Jesus is like, um, I said to do one thing, not a hundred. Like, I got this. And we have to learn to listen to Him and not think what we know is Him. Like, He told us to do one thing, and I'm like, I got this figured out by now. Thanks for helping. I got you. And we serve Jesus without Jesus. I've been there. I did it. It's not fun. That our candle starts burning at both ends and we're real tired all the time and it's always somebody else's fault. And I don't even have time to pray because I'm serving the Lord. I don't have time for that Bible. I'm like doing stuff for Jesus. But here, He wants an answer and God's like, we got some work to do. So He goes and He gets these tablets. He says, write down what you see. Write down what you hear. And he sees this vision. This vision of an appointed time. And it seems slow coming. But God eventually always comes into our situations. Always adjusts us. Always moves it. Always Finds a way. We are master manipulators. We find the way. And somehow we always miss his way. I think he does that on purpose. Like, no, you need me. Your self-reliant self. I'm going to make you sit still. You're going to love me for it. He goes on to say that A righteous person lives by faith. And in our faith we find hope in Him, not in what we can do and not what's going to come and not what we want. Our hope is in Him. Our faith is in Him. And we know that His will is for good because He loves us. Now there might be a lot of bumps in the roads and a lot of turns and a lot of, where am I going? Okay, I'm going that way now. But all of a sudden we pop out and we're like, I didn't see that happening. I used to argue with God a lot. A lot. I mean, every day it would be like, no, this isn't going to work. And he would be like, okay. And then I would pray and he'd tell me the same thing he told me yesterday. I'd like, tell me something else. I don't want to hear that anymore. Stop telling me that. So that's like, that, that's what I'm telling you. That, that, you don't get another answer. And then finally we get so frustrated because he's, he doesn't stop saying the same thing over and over again, and we convince ourselves it's not going to work, and we try to convince him it's not going to work, and then we finally do it with complete frustration and anger. We're like, fine! And then we do it, and we're like, God oh, damn it, it worked. And we get mad at God because his will worked better than ours. Or am I the only one? Am I the only control freak that struggles with having to turn my will over to God on a regular basis? See, God gives them this promise that I'll bring Babylon down. Their violence and their oppression, their nation create can never, is this never ending cycle of revenge. God uses our cycles. God used that cycle to bring the rise and the fall. God allows us to go in certain directions and we rise to a certain place, but if we're not doing it for Him or if there's sin involved on any level, that thing's coming crashing down. And we hang on to this vengeance. We hang on to this revenge that we we think that we want revenge on people from our childhood. And we allow this bitterness to, to continue to grow and we get frustrated and angry and we're justified. And Jesus is like, give me that.
1: We're like, no, they need to
0: pay. And we've... Committed homicide how many times in our head? I mean, it's too many to count. Because they need to suffer as I have suffered. And God's like, no, the pathway is grace. The path is mercy. Revenge and bitterness and rebellion do nothing but bring corruption and destruction. that through periods of time, we have to learn to endure. I don't like enduring. How about you? It's not a fun word. Romans 3 will forever be one of those verses for me. Or Romans 5.3, sorry. Rejoice in your suffering. Eee. Because I'm teaching you to persevere and I'm building your character for your expected hope of your salvation through the Holy Spirit. And for the longest time, every time I'm going through something, and especially you let certain friends that love you so much, they send you the Romans 5 verse and they send you the James verse. Count it all joy. Like, I'm going to kill you. You're going to have joy too. We're going to be there together. And it's about two years ago now that God really illuminated this for me. In a different way that I've never seen it. That we, how do we rejoice in suffering? It it's, it seems like it's an oxymoron. And we're not good at persevering because we're good at running. And our character, our character needs work. Although our our ego tells us we're awesome. So we're like, we instantly tell Jesus we don't need to go through this because I I understand I got it I I we we did this patient thing already I, I figured it out we're good we can move on give me what I want now 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 Jesus patience we don't need we don't have time for patience but when we're suffering we have to press in to Jesus and as we press into Jesus he's the one that teaches us how to persevere because we can boast in our weakness and glorify him and as we're glorifying him his godly character begins to be born and and, and planted in our root you know it begins to grow in us that we see him in the midst of it so we find him in the midst of our suffering so that we get closer to Jesus in the midst of our suffering. We become more like Jesus in the midst of our suffering and we pop out more Christ-like. And that's why we can rejoice is because our suffering means that we get to be deeper in connection with Jesus. Now, when he showed me that, it makes way more sense than just be like, I'm having a great time. This is amazing. We suffering. No, it's... I need to press into Jesus and through it he makes me more like him that's why we rejoice that's why he teaches us to press in he teaches us to endure and it's through this types of mindset that it doesn't matter what comes at us is that we are in Christ And he's already victorious. That we're not fighting for a victory. We already have the victory. It's already been done for us. We're fighting from a place that already won. Jesus doesn't lose. Now it may not come out the way we think it should. Most times it won't. But it always comes out the way Jesus knew it would. And it's so important that we press into him And we learn how to endure. We learn how to persevere. We learn how to fight spiritually. Because our word tells us that our weapons are not carnal anymore. We can't go into work and punch our boss straight in the face because they were a jerk. Then we get to have a different boss and we get to wear funny orange jumpsuits. You know, we don't get to act out the way we once did. That we have to learn how to fight spiritually. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that our word is called our sword. And when we really get into the the understanding of spiritual warfare and God's armor, there's nothing protecting our back. We're always to be advancing. But you know who's got our back? Jesus is our rear guard. He's with us no matter where we go. And we have to learn that sometimes the fight gets intense and we just need to sit still and hold our ground, not retreat and go sin. Sometimes we just have to hang on and the storm passes. And we learn to be still in the midst of that storm because we get closer to Jesus. And when we get closer to Jesus, the storm comes and goes, and it'll come again and it'll go again and it'll come again and it'll go again because that's life, life on life's terms. And it's so important that we learn to press into him And he ends his writings with prayer. He's pleading with God. He's asking for him to show up and deliver him. You know, and he begins to see this Exodus. You know, the Exodus says they came out of Egypt and then he sees this new Exodus. And how God's gonna deliver us from evil and injustice. He goes, God goes on to tell him how he's gonna save his people. He's gonna use the anointed one. And it's a reference to the Masonic King, the line of David, as we, we see it over and over and over again, that Jesus is all throughout the Old Testament. Everything is pointing to him. We've already been illuminated that Jesus is the Messiah. And we have to get on his team and follow his playbook. That he—he's exodusing out of our path, out of our pain, out of our sin, into his will, into becoming more like God, into God's image. He's defeating evil. He's already defeated it in most of us. I mean, if we look at where we used to be a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, think of all the things that we used to do. <laughs> We're at church on a Friday. That's like a miracle for this group. Like, if you would have told us that we all would have been at church on a Friday a couple of years ago, we would have had a lot of very nice, explicit words to share with you. (laughs) Describing where you can go and how fast you can get there. (laughs) It's not doing anything. That God has this crazy plan and He's using a lot of broken, misfit people that don't know a lot of religion. And it's okay because we're learning to know the King. That He begins to give them this message of hope. To trust in Him. To praise Him even though the world is falling apart. Even though that there seems like there's never enough. That the food is running out. The money's running out. Crazy things are happening around us, but Jesus, but God. That it's a choice. We have to choose to trust Him. Faith is something that gets worked out in us through difficult times. And if we're looking at our circumstances, we can't ever see a way out. But if we focus on Him, He guides us through. you know he wants us to be examples because the righteous live by faith and even in the midst of this chaotic world and even in the midst of our own chaos he invites us into this journey of faith trusting that he loves this world more than we do trusting that he loves your kids more than you do trusting that he loves your parents more than you do trusting that he loves your siblings more than you do trusting that he loves you more than you do, that he has this purpose, he has this plan. And the more that we learn to trust him and understand that he is for us and he loves us more than we could ever know. Romans tells us that what can separate us from God's love? Nothing how deep, how wide, how vast His love for us is. That He laid His life down for us before we ever knew Him. Romans 5. So important that we focus on who He is and what He's done so that we can understand that no matter how hard things get, that He's right there in the midst of it with us. you just bow your heads to me? Lord, I just thank You so much, Lord. I know that Each and every one of us has our own personal battles that are going on, Lord. There's things around us that are crazy. There's things that we're going through. There's things that we're feeling. There's things that we're thinking, Lord. And In the midst of it all, Lord, help us to hear Your voice. Help us to focus on You, Lord. Help us to to stop what we're doing for just a second and ask You in. Ask for Your peace. Pray. Try to release the things that are or driving us crazy that we're stressing about. And realize that your timing is not our timing. Sometimes we feel like we're going to die if we don't get to answer this second. And the Lord is directing our steps and, and guiding us to freedom. Even when we think we're headed in the wrong direction. So Lord, I, I pray that you move in each person's life tonight. I pray that they leave here with hope. I pray that they leave here knowing that you're with them and that you love them. Lord, I pray that through whatever they're going through, that they learn to press into you and their faith begins to grow and they see how you deliver them again and again and again. Lord, direct our steps. Lord, turn our hardness of our hearts into moldable clay. Lord, help us to, to be changed into your image Lord there's some difficult situations that are going on in the lives of the men and women here tonight Lord And I pray Lord that each one of them can find you in the midst of their storm Lord I pray that if they don't have someone to trust Lord that they would see how you're bringing a certain someone across their path that they can begin to to see how you You have put that person in their way. Lord, I pray that you would move powerfully in our lives, Lord. Setting the captives free. Breaking every chain. Ripping the door off the cell that we've created. Helping us to walk in freedom. Helping us to love you more. Helping us to do your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.